You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back to The Catalyst, everyone. I am your host, Samantha Chris, and today we are joined by a dear friend of mine, Aisha Delpesh. She grew her following by remaining true to her passion of creating spaces for women to get raw and real about their truth. No stranger to adversity, she continues to use her personal story to help others rediscover the light that may have dimmed along the way. Through one-on-one conversations with Aisha, you will be guided through colorful storytelling, courageously candid conversations, and innovative tips to journey towards your badassery. Aisha, welcome to the show. Hello. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad that we've made this happen because I've been trying to get you on this show for a while now. It's been actually too long, so I'm happy you hunted me down. (laughs) (laughs) I've been pretty persistent, haven't I? Yes, you have, and I'm actually so happy you were persistent, so thank you. Of course. I mean, I've had the pleasure of seeing you speak on stage in person. And I think that was, correct me if I'm wrong, but in the earlier days of you just starting to tap into the power of sharing your story. And it was one of those moments that I think I'll remember for for a really long time because it was so powerful. I remember we were at uh, an event and I think you were sitting to my, my right or maybe someone was sitting in between us. Um, but yeah, that was, you're absolutely right. It was the beginning of the time when I said, you know what, I want to launch my coaching, but the best way to do it is to be vulnerable and to be open. And what's the best way of leading that by everyone getting to know truly who I am. So scary, scary moments, but, um, it helped so many people along the way. So that's the return on investment. There you go. And I feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface on mm-hmm. getting to know Aisha and what you're capable of and really the value that you're bringing. I mean, you host incredible, real intimate meetups. And I, I want to know like what the plan is to bring that to a larger scale. If the plan is there, maybe you want to continue to focus exclusively on small groups, but how, how can people tap into the incredible connection that you're facilitating in these um, conversations with Aisha? You know, if I had a magic wand and you said, okay, Aisha, what, what do you want to do? I'd like, I like the face-to-face. I like the personable approach. I like seeing everyone's nonverbals and, you know, realization, facial expressions all within a human form, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. We understand with COVID, it, it added a bit of a curveball and everyone was pivoting towards, you know, online. And for some reason, it just didn't feel good to me. So um, I'm now that the world is slowly opening up, I definitely want to, you know, tap into that again, and uh, just connect. And I'm, of course, open to launching it. I I think so big UK, you know, the States, let's, let's, you know, completely expand. But I just think I need to tap right back into what I started because COVID definitely put a slight wrench in the process. So definitely taking that back up, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And I actually really admire the fact that you had the courage to put that on pause because I think so many people were scrambling across the finish line, right? Like trying to bring their businesses online, trying to see how to pivot in this new world. And I think it takes a lot of courage to recognize like this vision I have, like it doesn't work in this current environment. Like I'm going to have to wait in order for this to have the biggest impact. 
And it was hard, you know, it was hard because I was such on a good momentum and there was so many people that were starting to come to my workshops and it was building and building. And then as I started, when, like you said, run to that finish line, I just couldn't, I couldn't pivot. I couldn't do it differently. To me, as much benefits that we get from online, it was just not the right time for me. I'm not saying I'm never going to do it, um, but just with all the changes and everything going on, just my spirit just said, you know what, Aisha, stay still, stay still for a moment. And that's what I did. I've been to one of your events and, and I think it's really incredible the depth in which people are willing to get to and the connections in which people are willing to make and the commitment to really being seen and heard that is felt in these events. And I think a large part of the, the value that came from the conversations were people sharing their relationships with change and, and how it's challenged them and how they want to challenge, you know, systems, perspectives, people. Um, mm -hmm. And how much would you say that change is a focus of, you know, what you're looking to, to facilitate in the world? Oh, it's a big part. I mean, if I look at how much I've changed, you know, as an example, or just, you know, some of my clients and how much they've changed just through conversations, courageous conversations that we've had. Um, if we, if we look at who we were when we were younger and who we are right now, there's, there's known and unknown changes that's happened, right? So it's a catalyst that we definitely need to go through and um, it's necessary for involvement and it's necessary for us to tap into that better version of ourselves. Some people dive into change, you know, wonderfully and others are like, oh, you know, I'm not too sure. And some just go with the flow, but it's necessary. And I think that's what the key message is. It's, it's necessary. But you, even with that said, kind of have a love-hate relationship with change and and you've been through a fair share of changes in your life and so why do you think that you there's this kind of duality in your relationship with it you know there's the change aspect that is like okay the awareness where you're open-hearted and where you're ready and then there's the change that knocks on your door and says hi <laughs> mm. I was uninvited but here I am and it's the uninvited change that actually gives you the biggest growth versus the one that you're prepared for, you know, picking up and moving to another city. Yes, it's a change, but you're planning it, right? you know, unexpected change, finding out one day to the next, I got to leave without any notice. It's a different story. So it's, it's a yin and a yang, if that works. And that change for you came knocking as early as 11. Can mm -hmm. you share what that experience was like? Um, you know, and maybe, maybe it wasn't the first opportunity where change came and knocking unexpectedly, but mm -hmm. I imagine that was a big one for you. It was. And with my parents, you know, bless their hearts. Um, we moved a lot when I was younger. Um, my parents had us at a very young age. And when I say us, I have siblings, but my mom uh, was pregnant with me at 17 and, uh, you know, that's number one change that happened, right? It's her making the decision if she wanted to keep the pregnancy or not, because my uh, grandmother at the time was highly encouraging her to not keep me at the age that she was, considering that she was so young. So thankfully, she took, uh, she took the right decision, because I always make the joke, what would the world be <laughs> without Aisha? Devastating, but, um, that's what. Right? <laughs> so here I am, but... Um, my parents had myself, um, my siblings, and by 21, my mother had four kids. So we moved a lot. There was a lot of decisions, good and bad, that was made throughout our childhood. And there's a lot of, I would say, demons that my parents were working through as well. You know, we're talking the 80s. We're talking 
the fun time. They're still young, you know, getting to know themselves. If I think about myself at 21, I can't even imagine having four kids by then. Mm-hmm. So um, just putting that into perspective. And, you know, truthfully, I speak about it in my story. One of the demons that my mother unfortunately had to fight was drug abuse and, you know, um, fighting it in a way where it took her over. It took her over as a mother. It took her over as a woman and then eventually took over her life. My mom passed away at a very young age in her um, mid 40s. And um, going back to your question, when you say, what was the first change? It was, it was when I had to leave my mom's house. So we're always raised when someone calls and asks you questions or when you go to school, you keep your mouth zipped, mm. you know, you don't say anything. You make, you make it seem like everything is okay. But um, at that point at 11, there was just too much neglect. You know, my parents weren't together anymore. My mother was heavily, heavily into different types of um, drug abuse and we were missing school, you know, no lunch, um, you know, not kept. So I remember that day was, it was a Halloween day. And I think I was upset probably because I didn't have a costume and there was a huge fight the night before. So I was already going to school a bit distraught. The teacher actually came and asked me, is everything okay? And like I said before, I used to always say yes. But this time around, I was, I was so tired at that age and at that time. So I said, no, it's not. And at that point, that's when we were taken away and we went to go move in with our teachers. Our mm. English and French teachers actually took us in. So that was, that was the number one big change was leaving my mom and leaving my, um, my environment as toxic as it was at mm. 11. I can imagine that would have been such a heavy burden to carry at 11, not only keeping the secret, but now that it's out in the world, right? And mm-hmm. and it's known that you need some help. Was there any guilt that is that was associated with that decision? And, and you know, what did you feel like once, um, you know, people intervened? You know, truthfully, Samantha, at 11, I was relieved, if that makes sense. I think, you know, relieved that I had structure. I had breakfast every morning. I was going to school every day. I had my books. My guilt, I'll, I'll be honest, came later on in my 30s, in my 40s, when I recognized as I got older as a woman and recognized what it is to be an individual and recognize what it is to have insecurities um, or recognize what it is to have issues because we all go through it. And now I'm feeling more closer to my mother in the sense I was tapping to her and say, wow, what was she thinking at this point? Mm. You know, but at 11, I was so unaware at 11. I think I had to go into solution mode. I had my siblings I was taking care of as well. And I just, I was just tired of being an adult at 11. So it didn't kick in until much, much later. And um, by then my mom was already gone. So it's not like I could have spoken to her and said, I'm sorry. But if I had to do it again, I'd still do it the same way because mm-hmm. it was still destructive and toxic, right? But I think I would have had more conversations with my mother as I got an older. And so you talk about as you're getting older and how some of these decisions kind of influenced just, you know, how you're thinking things, reflecting on things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that we've talked a little bit about kind of uh, outside of this recording is the importance of walking away from, from people, from opportunities, from relationships or friendships that don't serve us. And do you think that your experience in having to kind of develop a a thick skin early really 
helped you in, in knowing what to walk away from as an adult? Uh, yes and no. I think I used it for certain situations, but then I might've stayed in situations, you know, relationships with boyfriends or friends too long. I was maybe too forgiving, which was again with my mother, if I can go back to that, I left at 11, but we still in the beginning had to go back and forth, right? Because the goal is for us to live with our parents, but then it was just too much back and forth that we made social services made the decision that it was going to be no more. So it's almost like I had to have that thick skin because of that decision. But then at the same time, you know, I felt like I overstayed my welcome at times and I only learned a little bit later. Mm. So, um, but I'll tell you at 40 plus years old, that is, I'm out when something's not for me right away versus when I was 30 and 20s. Oh, you know, you tip and tap and you try to <laughs> work it out, you know? So yeah, much more um, intolerant to something that doesn't serve me now than I was when I, when I was younger. And what do you think contributed to that, to that choice of really putting yourself first? Um, when I was younger or talking about it, like now in my grown adult age, more so now, like, what do you think really contributed to you feeling confident saying like, uh, this does not work for me. Thank you. Bye. Mm -hmm. A lot of growth. I think becoming a coach as well has helped that journey. Um, heartbreak, you know, as hard, as hard it is, it's necessary for growth. Um, therapy. I'm going to be honest. I'm an advocate of therapy. And at one point I did feel that I needed to with all you know, the different types of chapters I've gone through in my life that I needed to sit down with someone and be able to balance out that I don't repeat the same things that happened in the past. You know, we talk about generational, I don't want to say curses, but habits that come through. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that I was being authentic to myself. So when I started going through therapy, it's been, it was really key to an eye-opening for me to figure out, okay, Aisha, there's no, there's no need for you to stay somewhere that doesn't serve you, that makes you uncomfortable and stop ignoring that intuition of yours. It's free. A therapist told me that she's like, it's free. You don't have to go buy it anywhere. <laughs> you don't got to go rent it. It's absolutely free. Stop doubting yourself. Mm. So that, that saved me. And how do you channel the experiences that you have, the life that you've lived, the stories that you want to share into what you're doing now? I feel like you are really stepping into alignment in how you're coaching people and how you're bringing people together. What is the common denominator? Like what strings that together for you? Overcoming the adversity that I did at such a young age. And there were so many other chapters that happened throughout. So it wasn't just that one time just made me understand that life is so short to be anything else, but happy. Um, for some reason, a lot of people just gravitate towards me and want to share their experiences and want to share the story. And that's why I went into coaching because I feel like every, like the people has pushed me towards that, but I wanted to get certified and, and do all the goodness. As a young girl, as a young woman, I didn't necessarily have all the resources that's available today that I offer or that is even available for anybody else. Um, I had to tap into a lot of the family, which sometimes family is great, but they might lead you away by projecting their own insecurities and their own personal issues. And, you know, when you're young, you can't recognize that you can only do it a little bit later. So it's really just recognizing that there was a gap in having someone that looked like me that was available to speak the story, speak their truth and be okay with that. 
Like, let's be okay to talk. Let's be okay to break that mold where, you know, people of color keep their business to themselves and stays in the house. Nobody knows anything. And, you know, I say, I say my stories not to um, demean my mother in any way or put her down because there's so many great benefits and qualities of her that I definitely take away, but it was a struggle. And I think by sharing that story, those can understand that, you know, hurdles come and go, but you can still overcome it and fuel, fuel forward. So my experiences and the people around me definitely shaped who I am today. I love that. Yeah. And what would you tell your younger self if you had the chance? I would tell my younger self to trust herself wholeheartedly. Mistakes are okay. Um, I would tell her that love with no limits, with no boundaries, don't be so serious school is always there it doesn't have to be finished at a certain timeline travel go see the world take that risk move to that other country for a year that you've always wanted to do but you thought about okay but I have to finish school or I have to get a job or I have to pay my loan um I was always someone that was very vocal when I was a child but at the same time maybe I didn't tap into my feelings until a little bit later so I'd talk about my feelings like I said there's things I didn't tell my mom before she passed and I think I only channel it now being older so I probably would have take advantage of your parents when they're younger Mm. even the good and the bad because we're all individuals so I would have uh yeah take more take more risk for sure and if your younger self could give you some advice now as an adult Mm-hmm. what do you think would be the advice she would give that would have the biggest impact on where you're going? She would say, do it, Aisha. <laughs> <laughs> what are you waiting for? You have so many great ideas that you just keep to yourself and you wait till it's perfectly done and planned before you want to execute it. Just do it. I love that. The current you would tell younger you take the risk and younger yes. you would tell current you girl yes. take the risk yeah. <laughs> I think if younger me took more risk than back then I, I wouldn't be so careful today but you know it's, it's funny how we are as as adults I always say uh, our adulthood is surviving our childhood if that makes sense and yeah I have so many ideas I have so many things I'd love to do but I always get in my way with making sure, but I got to do ABC, but really do I got to do ABC? Just do AB and see what happens next, you know? So that's what my younger self would tell me. Just do it. Oh, I love it. And what about for listeners, for those who also feel like they're getting in their own way, for those who might feel perhaps like their past is driving the present or, mm-hmm. you know, dictating the future, what would you want to share with them? Um, so that they can really leverage their stories to serve more as, of, as, a, as an advantage. Yeah. You know, self-awareness is, a, is quite a quality. Not everyone is self-aware. And sometimes awareness comes to you in different forms. It might come to you through a teacher. It might come to you through a friend, family members. I think it's important just to listen, number one. Um, I go back to that gut, right? We know ourselves better than anybody. We could, you know, there's no one else that could tell me about me. 
So we know what the issues are. We know what the constraints and the barriers are. Recognize that they're there, be okay that it's there and see what it is that needs to be fixed in order for you to flourish. Everybody knows what better version looks like of themselves. They think it's too far. They think it's too um, impossible to achieve. They might compare themselves to other people, but they know what the better version of themselves is. I know what the better version of myself is, but we have to remove whatever barriers, whatever, you know, whatever the past that we had that might come in the way, it's important to be self-aware and recognize those things. And it's not easy, but I've had people come to me, tell me snippets of change that I needed to do via conversations at work through a colleague, sometimes through a stranger. If anyone has ever spoken to someone randomly on a plane or on a bus, and then you just start talking, sometimes messages come to you that way, you know, and then you think about the conversation, you're like, wow. And then it connects the dots some way, right? I'm the only one that can take control of my life. And it's important that we don't let the past lead it, but we take the goodness of the past so that we can flourish. Mm, so good. What a way to wrap this up. Yeah. Where can people follow you to learn more about your journey, to learn more about conversations with Aisha and get plugged into the goodness that you're creating? Oh, thank you so much. So I have a website, AishaDelpesh.com that you can refer to. And then also to my Instagram is uh, conversations with Aisha and I'm actually working on it. So it's going to be, it's going to be beautifully um, done in the sense of telling my story, right? Being authentic and just opening up to the world. That's the do it. One of the do it's I had to do. So I'm finally getting it done. Um, and yeah, and whoever wants to reach out and, and talk and connect and just want to be able to flourish in their journey, I'm here. Everyone, the uh, links to Aisha's social handles and website will be found in the show notes. Well, Aisha, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you so much, Samantha. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.